Welcome to another edition of the ONG Strike Zone. Brian Fulford, Kofi Hemingway, Kelvin Rosie. I had to remember who you guys were. It's been so long. How you guys doing? You need to get it together. That's what you need to do. Sitting up there talking about you forgot who we were. How, how we doing? We holding it down for our brother. We are, we are <laughs> our brother's keepers. <laughs> Amen. Amen. You guys did hold a great job. Hold it down my brother. Hold it down. See, you guys don't be forgetting about us and everything. We all we got. Yeah, no, in all seriousness, I enjoyed uh, listening to the show. Uh, definitely, I enjoyed it on my long trip over the weekend when I went up to uh, Savannah State to call a game up there. So I, I really enjoyed listening to you guys. And uh, Marcus did a great job as well. Uh, wanna, uh, as soon as we can get this, I, I'm going to, you know, I know we're live right now. I'm just waiting on us so I can go ahead and tweet this out from the ONG. Strike zone. Yeah, tweet it, man. Tweet, tweet, tweet. I, I, going the tweet. damn thing is not on on the site yet. You know, that's blame <laughs> the producer on that. But anyway, you won't listen to me. But anyway, follow the ONG Strikes on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I'm assuming we're on YouTube. You know, that's how we do. But if if you're on YouTube and you press the bell and you got the notification, we're live. If you downloaded the Jericho Broadcast Networks app by going to your Google and Apple Play Store. Uh, by searching my JBN or my BCSN, we're live. If you're on Facebook, where we are, we're live. I don't know where else we're live at, fellas. I, you know, I know we'll be live in a few other places here shortly. So, I mean, all in due time, all in due time, my brothers. Um, so, look, uh, excuse me. So, look, we got a lot that's going on around FAMU in the HBCU sports world. You know, this is one of those, you know, we, we, we've got the conclusion really of the football and volleyball season, which we'll talk about here in a moment. We're in the midst. I, I hate to call it these. I feel like we're in the midst of sort of the cloudy, dark days of the basketball season. You know, I'm just keeping it real, what it is. Uh, so, you know, but but there's so much happening around FAMU. I, I thought this would be a great this, – this feels like one of those shows, guys, where it's like a lot of stuff we talk about will maybe be around FAMU and how it will impact FAMU or maybe what it means to FAMU, but maybe it's not directly about FAMU. Does that seem kind of a good, that seem kind of about right for you guys? I guess you could put yes. it like that. I guess you could put it like that. You guess? I guess, you know. Uh, well, I guess you could put it like that, but, you know, it still involves us because it's one of our uh, brethren in the SWAC. So, right, right. Yeah, all, it definitely affects what, what happens. And this is where that level of camaraderie comes in, in the SWAC, because and, and why we need to um, unify on some level is because your success or even your failure affects us uh, in, a, in, a, in a number of different ways. You rise, we rise. 
You know, you fall, unfortunately it affects, you know, the whole outlook with the conference. So we need everybody to be strong on some level, just so long as they're not strong enough to beat us. So there we go. Well said. Well, let, let's start the show kind of with where things uh, left off as it relates to FAMU. And we'll start with uh, the end of the season, the end of a great season for the Lady Rattlers, the volleyball team. Um, you know, they, uh, of course, uh, winners of the SWAC championship, get the automatic bid, uh, got a chance to uh, play their opening round contest in the NCAA tournament against Florida, uh, the University of Florida, who were the regional host. Florida was the 16th seed, and they only seed the top 16 teams in the volleyball tournament. Uh, so, you know, FAMU got a chance to go down there. We haven't – I mean, look, it is what it is. We haven't had a lot of success in the previous years against Florida. Um, I, I was hoping, I was optimistic, thought that we might be able to get a, a set – off of them and then kind of just see where it goes from there. But Florida proved to be pretty doggone impressive. I mean, when when you look at the trees that they had on the other side of the net from us um, and and just some of the ball placement uh, was just uh, next level by Florida. So, you know, I I don't know why they don't make volleyball a double elimination tournament anymore like they used to. Uh, Yeah, you know, but but they don't. So uh, FAMU ended up losing 3-0 to Florida, uh, 25-11, 25-14, and 25-8 in those three sets. But let's not take away from, you know, what this season has been. You know, we clinched that tournament spot, won the SWAC in our first season there. Uh, We we took away the SWAC Player of the Year, Setter of the Year, uh, Player of the Year, Dominique Washington, Setter of the Year, Iron Mukar, Libero of the Year, Jess Along. Uh, Dominique was also the Newcomer of the Year. We took home Coach of the Year, Coach uh, Gokhan Yomaz. And uh, the uh, 26 wins, uh, I believe it was 26, 26 and 6 was our final record. Uh, the most wins, or I should say the first 20-win season since 2006, and we had 18 sweeps among those 26 wins. So as you summarize the season, Kelvin, how would you how would you summarize the season after it comes to a close against Florida? There's only one way to summarize it. It was a successful season. It was an awesome season. Um, we had a, you know, we hadn't played in a couple of years. Um, we hadn't been in the postseason in a while. And uh you know, when Coach talked to us at the beginning of the season, he laid out what his strategy was, and um, it actually played out to a T. Uh, I mentioned on, I think, last show that about four teams that we played um, out of conference, one their conference over in the uh, tournament and was in the tournament also, uh, one of which, uh, South uh, Alabama, was uh, shipped down to Florida, too. So, um, so it was a successful season. You heard, you talked about all the accolades. Uh, I think Dominique got another accolade this week. I think she was a regional, uh, pick, uh, for the, uh, volleyball association. Um, I, I I think it might've been like second team or whatever, but, um, but you know, so, and, and, 
pretty much the entire team is coming back. This team will be back to defend. Uh, next year. Uh, and, and, and remember, we won the conference tournament championship. We actually finished second in the regular season to Jackson State. So we get a chance to sweep the whole thing next year. And and, uh, and I guess our next step is really to see if we can add some pieces, some of those trees as you talked about, because when you go to that next level of volleyball, uh, you're going against 6'3", 6'4", and, and, and so forth. So I know our girls are athletic and quick and so forth. But uh, I think the next level is, 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 is getting a little more size alone to go with our, our skills and our te- technical skills with what we currently have. But it, it was a great season, and I, I, and I can't wait to have Coach Gokhan on to kind of finish, finish the, give his thoughts and also talk about his recruiting. Uh, Kofi, your uh, your thoughts on the uh, Lady Rattlers? I mean, there's not a whole lot to say except uh, just like uh, Kelvin stated, we had an amazing season. Uh, and as the Emperor would say on Star Wars, everything went as planned. We ended up um, <laughs> we ended up winning the SWAC uh, tournament. We re- avenged our loss. Uh, to both Jackson State and Alabama State. And, uh, you know, we sweated out and grinded out a tough tournament win. Uh, I think, obviously, uh, the vision for our volleyball team is strong. uh, And I'm looking for things to get even stronger. But, you know, we're talking about uh, winning at the next level. There's a lot of different little moving parts and components that come along with that. Um, and the good thing is uh, we, the family has somebody that is experienced, that understands the region, that understands the game, that understands what we specifically need to do to get to that next level. I think we are athletic, but when you combine athleticism and power along with that height, you know, it's a tough combination to beat. So obviously we, we have to uh, stretch ourselves and get even a, a better quality athlete to compete uh, on the highest of seven hills. And that'll cause everybody to get better. Yeah, well said. Um, uh, Kelvin, you mentioned the honors for Dominique. She was named to the ABCA Southeast All Region Honorable Mention Team. Uh, Washington with one of the best seasons in Rattler history uh, with the second most kills and attacks in a single season. Second most kills with 564 and attacks at 1,325. She also ranked top 15 in the nation in the following categories. And I would love for somebody, you know, somebody who's out there doing some homework or wants some homework, homework assignment, uh, take a look at these stats and see is how many other players are in the top 15 in these categories. She was 15th in total attacks, seventh in points per set, fifth in kills per set, overall points, and she was third, and she was third in total kills. That's in the nation. So, I mean, you know, just I, I would just, you know, like I said, I know Dominique follows us on uh, Twitter and I know we had her on at the beginning of the year. And 
I, I you know, I, I, I definitely gonna have to reach out. We might have to have Dominique on as well. And, you know, we just want to fight. Cause I, I still maintain it's one of the great stories. I, I think two of the best stories in college athletics, Dominique Washington and Isaiah land and both, I mean, so uh, both of them given a year ago where they were and their story, uh, whoever's like, I'm, I'm giving somebody the, the script, whoever's doing the documentary out there or whoever wants that story. Uh, you know, like there's a story, you know, what, so. you know, what I was going to say is it, it confirms and solidifies the fact that FAMU is a launching pad, you know, you know, for emerging leaders, world changers, record breakers, emerging athletes on every level. And, um, you know, you get notoriety from competing right here on the highest of seven hills in Tallahassee, Florida. So you do not have to uh, feel as though you are in some type, you are in obscurity. You will get noticed by playing, uh, playing for uh, the Mighty Rattlers. And so I, I'm excited for them both. They both deserve it. Both of them are hard workers. They have a tremendous work ethic. They're great people, super intelligent. And you wanted to put together that promo. Uh, I mean, imagine the, the the promo and the marketing promo that you could put together on, you know, what fam you can do for you. And you just have to, you can look at uh, Dominique Washington. You could go to Isaiah Land. You could go to... Um, Marquise Bell, you know what I'm saying? And just say what coming to FAMU did for them. And, you know, I, I mean, it's an outstanding story. And I, I think there are other stories like that out there. But it's a heck of a promo piece, I think, that you can lean on. Well, it's one of the benefits, again, of having uh, a world-class journalism school and a world-class uh, school of business and industry where we have people in high places that can put, uh, that can launch you, you know, they have the ability to put the spotlight on you, you know, to have the connections to say, yes, we're going to do that. You know, a lot of people uh, wondered how fam you got on uh, ESPN game day. Well, our journalism school produced people that were able to get jobs with ESPN. So when the conversation came up, where can we have game day? Fam you is in the discussion. When, uh, you know, they had the tailgating show on CNN, uh, again, we had a family graduate that was producing the freaking show. So guess what? Let's take a trip to the highest of seven hills and see what's going on in Tallahassee, Florida. Let's see what the tailgating life is down there, you know. So it puts it puts things in perspective when you have a, a school that's producing not people that are just going to work, but people that are going to be decision makers at a very high level. Well said. So look, we've we've done we've done the uh, the the thought. We we are the uh, idea makers here on the ONG. I mean, we we're just full of ideas. You know, we just that'll we be ten percent. I we, want my thank 10. you, thank you. We just give them 10%. out. You know, we just give them Rory out. Sherrock, I want my ten percent. Yes, we don't want to see. I, well, we better not see a story written on. Anyway, let me stop. Uh, you know, we, 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 we inspire people, but we are muses, the three muses of the ONG strike zone. That's what we do for people flat out. Happy holidays, everybody. Here we got more gifts for you. Um, look, let me transition over to the uh, football field 
because this just came out. I'm looking at uh, FAMUathletics.com. This came out as of noon today. Isaiah Land, one of three to receive an invitation to Frisco, Texas for the January 7th announcement of the 2021 Stats Perform Buck Buchanan Award presented to the National Defensive Player of the Year in Division I FCS. Um, of course, I mean, uh, Buck Buchanan Award, uh, Buck Buchanan, who just uh, recently passed, uh, if I'm not mistaken, right, this past week. Uh, was uh, a uh, ooh, let me get my let me get it right Grambling graduate, correct? Okay. Absolutely. Okay, Grambling graduate and the number one overall pick of the AFL in 1967, if my memory serves correct. Um, other HBCUs uh, players who actually uh, actually last year uh, Southern's defensive end won the award in the spring, and I'm trying to I know there was one other. HBCU player who won the award. Uh, no, there's a couple other. Uh, well, you got Rashawn Ma- Rashawn Mathis of Bethune uh, won it. I think that's the only other HBCU player. I could be wrong, but anyway, the um, 2021 winner selected by a 50 member panel. Uh, he is going up there along with Montana State's Troy Anderson and Montana's Patrick O'Connell, um, fellas. Uh, I, I got a, I got a good feeling. I got a good feeling. Isaiah may be coming home with with uh, with the National Player of the Year award. Uh, you know, Marquise Bell was also nominated as one of the finalists. But um, I, I think based on the numbers, you know, it's kind of telling that Land and his uh, FCS leading sacks with nineteen. And 25.5 tackles for loss, uh, along with 43 tackles, that uh, he was the SWAC Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, look, that was the, the second uh, in Rattler Nation, in Rattler history, was the second second most sacks in history. Um, yes. So, yeah, it's a it's a good uh, it's a good chance that Isaiah will be going home with that award. Um, where would that rank? Have we had any? If you think back in the history and the annals of athletes, this would be the highest award that any family football player would ever have been recognized, right? I see you shaking your head, Kofi. Correct. Wow. You know, other than an Olympic gold medal with Bob Hayes and a Grand Slam, but they didn't do that while they were um, students. That's it. Well, did Bob Hayes do it as a student? Um, only Bob Hayes. I put it like that. Okay. Okay. Well, walking in, uh, walking in rare and rare form. So, and for the uh, record, division one, double a only started in, uh, 1978. Right. So it's not an old or ancient, uh, league, you know, and you know, they, they never thought of giving us Heisman's or any of those things like that. Um, you know, till, till much, much later on with you know, we weren't even considered largely because, of the media campaigns and the perception of, of the country, you know, not having a TV deal and stuff like that. So um, we do, we did have players that were worthy, but you know, just the times, the times didn't allow it to be so. So it is what it is. And what's always great is that these awards all named after HBCU players, uh, you know, the Walter Payton award uh, for offensive player of the year, uh, the Jerry Rice award for, 
Ooh, I don't think it's top receiver. I think it's uh, maybe freshman of the year or something to that effect. But but uh, then you have the Eddie Robinson Award for your coach of the year. So I mean that that history and ties of of that HBCUs have with this award are they run deep, you know. So uh, that's uh, very significant. And I also would be remiss, guys, if we didn't talk about in this first segment the uh, national honor, uh, the national, the College Football Foundation, National Football Foundation, excuse me, had their Hall of Fame induction ceremony just this uh, other day. I think it was Tuesday. And uh, Coach Rudy Hubbard was uh, finally uh, recognized. Of course, it's been a great year and a lead up to this date where he actually uh, received – uh, his plaque and his recognition. Uh, of course, there's some photos out there, obviously, on social media of uh, Coach Hubbard. I know uh, uh, Coach Simmons and his wife were there. Uh, A.D. Gaucher was there. Um, I, I Maybe even... Uh, that was in Vegas, Vegas correct? Uh, yes. It was yes. in Vegas? Okay. It was in Vegas. Okay. Yeah, and uh, I know uh, Greg Coleman, who we talked with, uh, I, I think he was there, uh, looked like some of the photos. So just uh, um, just a great a great moment for FAMU athletics and uh, FAMU uh, football. Well, well deserved, Brian. Um, I'm glad he get to have his flowers while he's still here with us in the living. Amen. Amen. And, um, and, 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 you know, anybody who knows his story and kind of, how he got here, then how it kind of ended, and then he didn't coach for the longest of time, and then he kind of got back into the high school scene at Rutgers for a little while, um, and you know, to me, it's just full circle, man. Uh, and and that, you talk about all the great stories. There, there's another just awesome story, and to jump back away from that to Isaiah real quick, uh, Isaiah numbers in terms of tackles for loss as well as uh, sacks are so far out there, so astronomical. It would be an upset, in my opinion, if he didn't get it. And then, but I also want to point out that if you look at the type of teams that we played, we played teams that really weren't pass-oriented. So for him to put up those kind of numbers, you know, with the offenses we played, plus having another All-American like uh, Marquise on the back end and some other – I mean, for – I mean, it's a dream season. It's like a Cinderella once-in-a-lifetime season. So um, I don't know if the voters see all that, but I know they see the numbers, which is why he's in the top three, of course. But but if you actually put that in the contest, what he did is just uh, spectacular. Yeah, exactly. I mean, when you when you look at the numbers. Uh, well, you know what's, what's interesting about Coach Hubbard, and then we'll get ready to go to break, I just want to add – as a student, as a student journalist trying to find my way and then find stories about FAMU, he granted me an interview, uh, which actually ran in the homecoming edition of the FAMU. And uh, I think this was the 94 homecoming, maybe 95 homecoming. And uh, we we talked a lot about, about that because obviously that was sort of my my uh, article to more, more so say it's time for who, uh, Coach Hubbard to come back. You know, it's kind of, you know it's kind of, it's time to mend the fences with the way things ended. And I, I think at some point we're going to try to get Coach Hubbard on the show. And I, I really I'm hoping I can find that article. I did find it by the way, uh, maybe last year. 
I'm hoping I can find that article and just share it with him and send it to him. Because that for me as a young journalist, try, I mean, I was nervous as heck. I'm going over to a legend's house. You know, I actually went over to his house and interviewed him. And, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know, brings up a lot of emotions and a lot of thoughts in my head. So I'm going to kind of stop before I get a little misty eyed. But anyway, it's uh, really cool that uh, Coach Hubbard uh, was, was recognized. Let's take a break, come back on the other side and get into talking about some of these newsmakers that are going on the swag. There was a big game that happened Saturday, guys, and the impact of that game. Uh, Kofi, you had some very interesting comments I saw on Facebook, so we'll kind of talk a little bit about that uh, coming up on the other side. You're watching the ONG Strike Zone. We'll be back in just a moment. Sugar Chateau Desserts is a specialty bakery located in the Charlotte, North Carolina metro area. We will create delicious and one-of-a-kind treats for any occasion. Sugar Chateau is currently shipping cakes in a jar, offering a variety of different flavors in a single-serve container that can help you celebrate in accordance with social distancing. Place your orders today by calling 803-526-7895 or visiting SugarChateauDesserts.com. The Cuvée Group is a Florida-based marketing and training consulting firm. We help businesses communicate to their target audience and engage them in conversation. We also help to expand their audiences, which will ultimately result in growth for those organizations. In addition to being a certified constant contact specialist, my colleagues and I are also certified in John Maxwell Leadership Principles. We use these proven principles to conduct workshops, training, and private coaching sessions for individuals and companies looking to take things to the next level. Contact us to schedule a free consultation. Issues today, don't delay, call Cuvay. This is Ryan Fulford. A.D. Drew and I are co-hosts of the BCSN Sports Wrap. We talk about all things related to HBCU athletics. From the games, teams, coaches, and fan interest stories, we cover it all. You can find our shows on Facebook at BCSN Sports Wrap, YouTube at MyJBN Online, and everywhere you listen to podcasts like Anchor, Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. You can also find the show on the Jericho Broadcast Network's app. Make sure to download. We look forward to you joining the conversation and being a part of the show. Let's face it. Shopping for insurance can be time-consuming. That's why when it comes to your auto, home, and life insurance needs, Make things simple and trust the experts at Allstate. They will help you get the coverage that fits your needs while helping you bundle your life, home, and auto policies. Bundling saves you money, sure, but it also saves you time so you can enjoy the things that matter most even more. Contact me, Tammy Haynes, your local agent, for a free personalized insurance quote. Allstate, are you in good hands? Damn you. All right. Welcome back to the ONG Strike Zone. Brian, Kofi, and uh, <laughs> Yo, <man. laughs> what? Let him brother yeah. go, man. Let him hey, go. you got to you got to watch. You got to watch the preview screen there, brother. Watch the preview screen. You know. <laughs> uh, look, man. Uh, hey, fellas. There's a lot of stuff. Okay, here I found it. 
Uh, we got a lot of stuff to talk about. A reminder, coming up in the second hour, Marcus Green's going to come back and join us because we got some recruiting news, recruiting info to talk about. Man, it's hot and heavy out there. This is the, this is like we get into that, uh, the recruiting season. Uh, obviously, once this regular season ends, we get into recruiting season, and there's a lot of stuff going on, man. Every day is something. Uh, we got coaching news. Uh, before we even get into talking about the SWAT championship, because let's just talk about what's hot. It's coaching news. And uh, it sort of has a potential trickle down to us, to FAMU. Uh, obviously, the big news this week, uh, well, right after the SWAC championship game, we should say, Southern named Eric Dooley, their head coach. Uh, coach, Of course, Coach Dooley finished up with the championship game, lost that game to Jackson State, packed his bags, left the soap, suitcase, and he was off to Baton Rouge to sign a contract. Uh, obviously, you know, Prairie View didn't want to make the move and didn't make the move. So we kind of all speculated that was going to happen. Uh, Grambling also in the hunt. And I believe Dooley is a Grambling grad, correct? Grambling yes. grad, but, but he cut his teeth under Pete Richardson at Southern. So, and I, a great quote by uh Coach Pete Richardson, who said, I knew he was coming all along. So, I mean, that just tells you something right there. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, so, the latest news, which is just coming out, it's been hot and heavy over the last three, four hours. Hugh Jackson, the assistant coach at Tennessee State, and of course, uh, with many ties in the NFL, uh, former coach with the former head coach with the Cleveland Browns and now the Las Vegas Raiders, I think he was with them when they were in Oakland, is by all reports scheduled to be the new head coach at Grambling. Uh, Grambling has scheduled a news conference for Friday at 10 o'clock. So, you know, uh, today's Wednesday as we're recording it. So they're going to let this just sit out there for 48 hours and draw all kinds of attention. But, uh, the trickle-down effect means that there is an opening at Prairie View A&M now. And, of course, that kind of comes down our face and our road where uh, one of the big names, and this was a name that even Coach Simmons talked about that would come up, is uh, Coach Black, the co-offensive coordinator and quarterback coach. Uh, he's a Prairie View A&M former player, uh, put up some great numbers there at Prairie View A&M. Uh, his name will most likely be under consideration. So, fellas, uh, you know, where where do we go with this? We've got Dooley and Southern, uh, Hugh Jackson and Grambling, an open preview position. What are your thoughts, Kofi? Where do we where do we go? Well, let me let me first address Coach Black um, because obviously he's a he's a rising star in the coaching ranks and. Uh, you know, uh, a lot of Prairie View Panthers uh, in particular remember his heyday, which wasn't really that long ago, but uh, they were very, very uh, excited to try to bring him on, uh, bring him back home to Prairie View. But at the end of the day, um, you know, after talking to some more people, um, some more sources at Prairie View, uh, they just felt that right now uh, they would like to see him get a little bit more seasoning uh, before um, bringing him back. But, 
you know, that's just the sign. And that's just the, uh, one of the things that happens when you have a good staff. Uh, people will come and pluck the people off your staff and try to, uh, you know, upgrade them, so to speak, or give them additional positions. And so that's just something that's just the nature of the beast, which is why, uh, you know, any head guy um, wants to make sure that they have an active Rolodex of coaches that would be able to come in and assist or meet the needs of your of your staff and team at the appointed time. So all of these things are um, are coming full circle. I think it's a good time. It, it, it speaks well and speaks very highly of um, of Coach Black and the talent level that he does have, the level of influence, the level of knowledge, the level of connections that he has and uh, the best is yet to come for him and i'm excited about his future it just will not be right now from what i'm hearing and uh about the prairie view job uh kevin sumlin's name is up there and uh also ed reed is also out there for that job uh in addition henry frazier who also had coached and led prairie view to the last whack title is also in the mix so there are a number of quality candidates that are available at, and I would also like to add that Charlie Strong's name has also been thrown around in that particular circle. So the Prairie View shoes will be filled by somebody. Uh, well, let me let me backtrack a little bit. I don't want to jump the gun because sometimes at our HBCUs, alums and just <laughs> people just. People just don't do the obvious thing. It's just like they make simple stuff so freaking hard, so freaking hard. I'm just like, oh, my God. Like, how did y'all mess that up? Really? Case in point, Alabama State. You had Hugh Jackson, Kevin Summer. Oh, my God. Rod Woodson. Wait a minute, you just yeah. gave three names and didn't even talk about uh, Ruffin, who's just sitting right there in the backyard. Ruffin, um, the dude at Bowie State. You had all of these, the Gabe Giardini, and you picked a real estate agent. Man, all right. Stop it, stop. Hold on, before you keep going, Kofi, get, Kelvin, get in there and uh, what? what's your thoughts about uh coach black uh potential prayer view the opening um and just i mean you know is it wishful thinking that uh we don't think uh or, or is it wishful thinking that coach black won't go to prayer view how, how serious of a candidate should he be well if you judge it by the uh social media circles and some of the some of those who are diehards who remember him as the leader of the uh, team when they last uh, competed for a SWAT championship. Um, you know, there's a lot of enthusiasm behind that. And as Kofi mentioned, he is a bright up-and-comer. Um, he's really at the cusp of being um, a viable candidate for, for, for head coaching position at a lot of institutions. But uh, he's particularly suited for that one. Um, um, this is his first time as a co-coordinator, though. And so uh, I don't know if we out of the woods yet, to be honest. You know, he's a pretty good recruiter, too. And I know he's out there in Texas doing some recruiting now. 
um, as well as being a, you know, a good coach and just a good person and all those things. Um, and, and I'd be interested to see who pair of you hires. And based upon that, if, if he comes up as a candidate for a coordinator position. So, so there, you know, that, that's another little twist. Uh, of course, I love him, and, and, you know, he's doing a good job here, and we want him here. But, you know, he, he in a profession where, you know, you, you go where the opportunity is when it's, when it's available, and then that would – it would be understandable uh, if he was getting, you know, getting paid and going home and, and all that good stuff. So we'll we just have to see how that plays out. I, I'm going to play the contrarian here because as I look at his resume – I've seen people get jobs with less. And what I mean is two years uh, as a grad assistant uh, from 15 to 17 quarterbacks, coach, passing game coordinator, 2018 tight ends coach. Pretty much those are the years with uh, coach Simmons. Then he comes over to FAMU in 2019 passing game coordinator, QB coach. Uh, and, and, and then this past season, I mean, so we're talking a solid, uh, Five seasons, it's six if you include the COVID year and, and whatever uh, on the job. You can't really call it, well, maybe training that goes with that. So five to six years as an assistant coach. Uh, and then you add in the grad assistant years and then the fact that he's a player, a former player. I, look, I, I mean, you can wait around for the next big name, but – if you want to not be a stepping stone, which Prairie View A&M has been a stepping stone, and, and sort of indirectly, uh, you know, Coach Dooley, it was a stepping stone onto a dream job at Southern. Coach Simmons, it turned out to be a stepping stone to a dream job at FAMU. I, I don't know about the history before uh, Coach Simmons at Prairie View. I mean, I can look it up. But at the, la- the last six years, you have six, six to seven years, You've lost coaches to their dream job. Whose dream job is Prairie View? What, you know what I'm saying? So at what point does Prairie View say, let's bring one of our own home? You know what I'm saying? So I I, I think, yeah, Sumlin sounds great because of his Texas connection, uh, his ties, especially with Houston. But, I mean, great facilities there. But, you know, is Kevin Sumlin going to, is Kevin Sumlin, Sumlin going to use that to rebuild his career and step on to another thing? I, I, here's the deal. He had his opportunity. You know, you don't get a bigger or a higher paying job than Texas A&M unless you're playing for the University of Texas. So um, he could, but I think he's looking for an opportunity. And of course, if he blows it out of the world, because he's very familiar, he was the head coach at the university. Summer was the head coach at the university of Houston. So he understands that area. He already has tangible ties in that area. He's able to recognize talent to run the offensive schemes that he wants to run. Um, plus he has a number of different uh, contacts in the coaching ranks that he would be able to fill out a very talented staff um, pretty quickly. And you can say the same thing about Ed Reed. Um, You know, now in terms of that whole stepping stone thing, I mean, it is what it is. 
You know, uh, I think that you, I think every AD has to have in the back of their mind a contingency plan of some sort. Worst case scenario, because God forbid somebody get in an accident, somebody, you know, a scandal happens, an emergency happens, you have to make changes immediately. And then it's like, wow, you know, so you never want to get caught you know, in case of crisis, what do I do? So I would, I would look very, uh, I would be very upset as a Prairie View alum if my AD did not have a contingency plan of some sort, if he did not know um, who he was going to bring in next. Every AD has to have a short list in this day and age because too much is going on and too much can happen. And to Kofi's point, Brian, let's not forget, you know, some, you know, Anything can be a potential stepping stone. Look at Oklahoma. They lost their coach to USC. Look Bruh. at uh, Notre Dame. They lost their coach to LSU. They lost they ain't going to anything. Yeah, I mean, nothing is guaranteed, and this is life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Even our own beloved Willis Simmons, you know, people want him. You know, sure. people, he's also a rising candidate in the coaching world. You know, so I think that it would be foolish for Rattler Nation to think that he's going to be around forever. We'd love him to, you know, but the reality is sooner or later, um, somebody's going to come and and try to make him an offer that he can't refuse. I just hope that we're in a position to combat that at the appointed time. But on any given day, anything can happen. You know, we were just here last year. Uh, and Jackson State made a run at Coach Simmons. University of South Carolina made a run at Coach Simmons. Thank God he is still here. But that's the reality when you have somebody that is a high-caliber coach on your campus. Dabo Sweeney, you let Nick Saban retire, and Clemson's going to have to hire somebody else because I am, you know, it would be hard for Dabo Sweeney to be like, no, I'm not going to go back home to Alabama. It's going to be difficult. Right. You know, but if Lane Kiffin keeps building up his resume, uh, you know, it'll be between Lane Kiffin and uh, Dabble. But that falls right into what we're talking about today. A good AD is always prepared with contingency. A good leader is always prepared with a contingency plan. Uh, when we come back from the break, I want to continue this discussion uh, because I am amazed at how excited people are for career assistant coaches. I'm, people are excited, and I, you know, I guess that's a good thing. That's a good thing for the assistant coach profession, because when I look at the head coaching records of the two men who will be leading those programs in Louisiana, ooh, they're not, they're not, you know, they're a hair, a smidge over five hundred, and for the other, they're well under twenty five percent. So, what are we excited about? What gets you all hot and bothered? Uh, because you you mentioned those other big programs there, Kelvin. Uh, those guys had big time winning records. So what's exciting the fan bases in Louisiana that uh, got them all hot and bothered? And what's excited? What excited the folks in Alabama State? You know, uh, I, I know there is no people. record at Alabama State. There is no record at Al- man. Come on, again, what got them excited? What got him excited? I mean, again, 
It is the. I ain't the, seen no tweets from the Alabama State yeah, people. Yeah, they ain't that they're excited. excited, man. I ain't seen no evidence that they're excited by this hype. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we'll talk about they that hope. a little bit, a little bit more. Uh, shout out to the folks listening and watching on Twitter and Facebook. I saw Mary three hundred five pop in there. Shout out to the uh, FAMU equipment staff. I know they always watch the show. We got to talk about those LeBron James 19, but we'll talk about that on the other side, equipment staff. We'll, we'll talk about that on the other side. Uh, you're watching the ONG Strike Zone. We'll be back in just a moment. For 200 years, Montgomery, Alabama has been making history by people who had the courage to stand up for change. Today, this riverfront city has been reborn, embracing the past and looking forward to the future. From a national memorial for peace and justice to the stage of the Alabama Shakespeare Festival, This is where history was and is made. We are proud to call Montgomery home, and together, we can be the change. This is the Dean of the College of HBCU Sports, Kenyatta Cavill of Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. Come mix it up in the lab where the course lecture is in session every Tuesday from 6 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time on Facebook Live, YouTube, Spreaker, or the BCSN app. As we discuss all things about the HBCU sports culture, including exploring the week that was in the sporting HBCU dashboard, as well as the upcoming week of HBCU sports. With me, the Dean, the College of HBCU Sports, on Dr. Cavill's Inside HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. Course lecture dismissed. Are you hungry for authentic Caribbean food? Like jerk chicken, oxtail, red snapper, shrimp, tofu, and rasta pasta? Well, find your way over to Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, 180 Auburn Avenue, right next to Royal Peacock. In downtown Atlanta. Mango's Caribbean Restaurant. Open daily from 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. And on Friday and Saturday, we're open till 4 a.m. Come to Mango's and put some spice in your life. Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, 180 Auburn Avenue, right next to Royal Peacock. In downtown Atlanta. For more info or directions, call 404-698-3992. Or log on to mangoscaribbeanrestaurant.com. For instant coupons, text M-A-N-G-O-S to 313131. Mango's Caribbean Restaurant. Authentic Caribbean cuisine. All right, welcome back to the ONG Strike Zone. Brian, Kelvin, Kofi. I want to give a shout out to the few people I see out there on the YouTube chat room, Uh, Marcus J.Y., Marcus Green, who will be joining us at the top of the second hour, going to get into some recruiting talks. You guys on uh, YouTube, you make sure you hit Marcus up with some questions because he'll be coming on here. Mr. Figures or Figures uh, out there, interesting thought he seems to he seems to be okay with coach black going to Prairie View. that's all i'll leave it at that i'll let you go read his comments in the chat 
Shout out to uh, Kenya Sykes, Tamara Taylor. Uh, shout out. Crawford Avenue. Shout out uh, as well. And you guys seen anybody on the Facebook? Uh, on the on the Facebook? Any shout outs there? Not as of not as of right now. More people are on YouTube. Uh, I'm also on the YouTube. I'll head over to Facebook and see what's going on with these beautiful people. I know Floyd Hill's out there watching. He better be because I'm gonna give a shout James out. James Austin. James Austin. All right. Yeah. Make sure to uh, if you would do us a favor, share the show. Uh, take a moment. Uh, we appreciate you guys for uh, being signed up as subscribers to the JBM on YouTube or on the Facebook page. If you are on Facebook, make sure to uh, subscribe and go ahead and share this with a couple of Rattlers. Let them know we're out there doing God's work, talking about uh, the orange and the green. Um, I just saw, as we kind of transition here, we're going to come back to talking about these crazy hires going on in the SWAC. SWAC West. No, nah, Alabama State was the East. So, But the other opening now is the SWAC West. Uh, Prairie View seems to be the opening uh, that's out there now. Still no word on Bethune-Cookman, as many people speculated and rumored. We, we don't – you know, Coach Sims is still the coach. He ain't going nowhere. Okay, so put that to bed. But, you know uh, – yeah, who knows? Any school semester, the semester's not over, and the, the the season is technically not over. December usually the season is over after the celebration bowl, so uh, that that's usually how I think a lot of contracts work. So we'll kind of see what happens. But I did see that uh, FAMU basketball, the men's team, dropped the brand new exclusive LeBron 19s prior to the game against uh, – who was that game against Tuesday? North Florida? Florida Gulf Coast. Or Florida Gulf Coast. I don't know why I thought it was North Florida. Um, yeah, so before Florida Gulf Coast, um, pretty nice. I don't know, are those shoes uh, – Calvin, what, what, what can you tell me about uh, deals like that? When, when you see those exclusive deals that the teams get, do those ever – make it out into the retail marketplace? Um, so sometimes they do. Most of the time they do, actually. But um, I, I know that some of the gear in terms of the uh, LeBron-branded uh, jersey tops and performance tops and stuff are out at Dick's Sporting Goods. I think Marcus uh, showed me some links. Uh, so, so some of it is out there. But in terms of the actual shoes, you know, LeBron, Nike, they're going to do what they they do, right? And so uh, they have their own metrics that they're looking at and so forth. So I, I, I really can't – it's hard to tell with Nike particularly. Um, they're a big brand, big dog, and they kind of do things in their own timetables. But I do have to say, those shoes are fire. Yeah, Love, love, love. I'm not a sneakerhead for the most part. But I, I would be after that. I would, I would definitely be getting those. Maybe two yeah. pair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, those, those are pretty hot. Um, you know, so uh, who knows, man. Uh, you know, I like the way we look. We just got to find a way to continue to play better. This game against uh, uh, Florida Gulf Coast, this pass is one of the rare Division One home games. Not uh, let, me, let me rephrase that. Home games. Division one non-conference games. 
that we get. Uh, Rattlers came up short, 69-55. First half did us in. Trailed 42-28 to at the end of the first half. Uh, tied them up, basically, 27-27 at the uh, second half. And, and that's sort of what I've seen from this team of late. There's usually one half that either the offense kind of dries up or the defense doesn't get enough stops. You know, it's usually one half. And that one half ends up biting us in the rear because we play pretty well in the other half. And you're almost coming away thinking, you know, we, we got to be able to put together two solid halves or at least be able to overcome the first half of poor play. How do you guys see it? What I've well, seen, uh, what, what I've seen, Brian, and I've had an opportunity to watch a couple of the games, um, is that, you know, I have to be honest. I, I'm a little disappointed that we haven't been more competitive in, in some of the out-of-conference games, uh, especially considering I thought we were fairly competitive against UTEP. Um, and then, you know, we go out to California and, I thought we would be more competitive. I, I thought Florida Gulf Coast was a game that was winnable, frankly. But I tell you the thing, I think our defense is what I kind of expected so far. But but I guess my disappointment is offensively, it, it seems like uh it's pretty much a, a one-man game, right? You know, uh, you know, if I if I lead and score, don't do it, uh, you know, and once the defense starts to focus on them. We just haven't had enough consistent scoring from from uh, sucking a third score right now. And then I would add to that, um, at this level, really at every level right now, point guard play kind of drives success in, in, in basketball. and has been that way for a while now. It used to be big man back in the day. Uh, but, it, you know, you know, your guards kind of um, drive winning and, and, and production. And that usually is your point and, you know, a shooter. And uh, we just haven't um, separated ourselves uh, with that yet. You know, our three-point shooter ain't, ain't, ain't good. Our turnovers are, you know, average. And our free throw percentage, I believe, is, you know, just okay. So, um, you know, our defense is strong. We got to win. We got to get better at a few more segments to be competitive in out of conference games. And really, I, I, I'm saying out of conference games, but if you look at what uh, HBCUs are doing across the landscape and um, the SWAG Enemy Act, uh, we're going to need that to win conference games, right? Because Perry just went to Florida, undefeated Florida, right? University Florida. Texas I mean, Southern. Yeah. Yeah, just went and just and just won uh, convincingly, mm-hmm. frankly. And then, um, of course, we've had other upsets in the HBCUs, uh, HBCU landscape and the MEAC side. They they got several teams that are doing really well with Norfolk State and um, Howard. Uh, all have winning records, only a couple of losses. They they beaten their out of conference peers, so to speak. Um, so. So this team is pretty experienced, is returning. We went on, this is the same team that went undefeated in the MEAC at home a couple of, uh, last year and then the year before that, I think maybe lost one at home. Uh, so so I thought we'll be doing a little bit better at this point. I haven't seen any real impact with the uh, recruits 
uh, and transfers yet. So, uh, uh, you know, it, it's go time. So hopefully we'll start to see that. Jump in there, Kofi. What do you want to add? I want to see us win, and I'm not going to be long with that. Everything that Kelvin said, I'm in full agreement. I'm ready to see us win a game outside of Division II. Um, I know it's not easy. I think that, you know, you come to appreciate stuff like this. But, you know, um, during a campaign and during a season, you learn how to close out games strong. And right now we're not doing that in crucial sets. And, um, you know, momentum is everything when it comes to especially college sports. And so finding that spark, finding that momentum, finding that rhythm and sticking with it is where we are right now. We just got to get there. We got to get there fast because the swack is no joke. The challenge that I see for this team is, and you, you mentioned this a little bit, Kelvin, where this game is played at now at the college level is – 20, 21 feet out, 21 feet out. We, we, we don't we, right now. We aren't hitting outside shots. We were one of 12 against what uh, one of 12 against Florida Gulf coast. You, you can't win games shooting one of 12 from the three point arc on the season. We averaged 25% from the three point arc. Uh, making just under four a game. Our three-point defense, we're allowing 38%, almost nine threes a game. Do the math. That's a difference of nine with four. That's five times. That's 15. That's an average of 15 points a game that we are behind at the three-point line. So one of two things has to get better. The, the three-point defense or the three-point shooting. And in a, in, a, in a Steph Curry world where everybody, everybody in their mama shoots from 21-plus, step-back threes included. My God, there are way too many step-back threes. But we, we're shooting 25%, you know, ah. Uh, you got to make know. the shot. I mean, it's basketball. The ball has to go in the basket. We got hey, to look. <laughs> it, is Lawson open 24-7? Is Jeez. Gaither open 24-7? Is whatever rec center is there LA Fitness open 20? I don't know where, but somewhere in Tallahassee, outside of that two to three hours that the staff gets, those guys have got to go get shots up. Well, you yeah, what I was going to say is, you know, rhythm is, is everything, especially when it comes to your shooting, um, you know, making shots. And once I want to say building that measure of confidence is what's going to help us to really get to that next level. Of course, you practice, but as you get in a rhythm and get on that streak, I believe it's going to it's going to really pay off. But we got to make shots and that's really it. We got to find our winning formula and our go-to people, and we got to do it. We got to pull it together, and we got to pull it together quick. Um, I, you know, I wanted to take a just kind of just a quick little gander and see. Well, what what's every what what are the other teams in the conference shooting from the three-point arc? You know, um, you know, just you know, what what are we what are we faced against? Uh, let's see. Oh, here we go, Southern. Shooting 
Grambling, 35, 34, 32, 31, 30, 29, 28, 27, 27, 26. Guess who's in dead last? 25%. Uh, and we're middle, we're middle bottom half in terms of three-point defense. So again, we talk every there's 11 other teams in the SWAC ahead of us shooting better from behind the arc. Talk about a long conference season. Um, it's got to get figured out. Again, like I said, Tallahassee, folks in Tallahassee, open up those gyms. Open up the gyms. Open up the doors. Let these kids get in there. Hey, kid, shooters want to shoot, right? Let these kids get in there and shoot. I don't care if it's 3 in the morning to 5 in the morning. Let them shoot. We need to now, shoot. shoot. Now, let me say this. I, 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 I say this at least once a show. But I want Rattler Nation to understand we are in a very crucial period right now for FAMU athletics. And we have an opportunity, even, even this year, in spite of everything that's going on with the basketball teams, um, we've got to start getting behind these kids, um, getting behind these kids and showing up. We got 10,000 that show up to the football game. We should have 10,000 showing up to our basketball game. And that does wonders for the atmosphere, does wonders for our team, and it does wonders for recruiting. So as we, uh, it does wonders for our revenue, our revenue streams. It does wonders for building relationships with sponsors. It does wonders for how we are perceived in the basketball world. And if we are going to get little LeBron to come to FAMU, we need you all to start coming to the games now and getting loud and telling your neighbors and your friends to come to the game and just getting real creative. But absolutely, guys, you know, basketball games, even um, when we used to play games in Gaither, were very instrumental. And in, I'm talking about just developing the heartbeat and the spirit level of FAMU. Um, I'll never forget the Hey, Let's Go cheer when it originated back in the 80s and how it got started. It got started in Jet Gate the Gym. The Oh My Lord chair. You know, Oh My Lord, 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 Lord. All that got started at mm -hmm. Jet Gate the Gym. A yeah. lot of the stuff that happens, the, the, the traditions and the fun aspects. Even now, during at Lawson Center, the Greeks really get down. You have DJ Loose Kid. It's a great atmosphere. Let's take advantage of that, and let's send our basketball team to the next level, both of our teams, our men and women's teams. 23,013 in attendance there on uh, on Tuesday night for that game. Don't know why it wasn't five. Should have been five. Should have been 2,000. You said 23,000. You said 2,300. I'm sorry. Two, yeah. Tell you how we wish. 2,313. 2,313 was the listed attendance uh, should have been at minimum four more like five, but I, you know, we need to have 6,000 every game at exactly. least. Exactly. Hey, I, well, well, since we're talking about that guys, I have to say uh, we, we need to make sure from a athletic operation standpoint that we, we operate at a maximum peak too. Uh, we got to make sure we get the marketing out there. All right. Uh, and people know about it far in advance. We got to make sure that our ticket master system is 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 is, is loaded with the, the 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 pricing and so forth, and we got to make sure we got the right price points for individual out of conference games, uh, and that you know you can't surprise people, and they show up and and, and you know they paying what they 
what they didn't think they were going to pay. Uh, so, you know, all, all those things play into that too. So we got to kind of show up some of that operational stuff. Yeah. Um, the Rattlers uh, travel to Akron, Ohio on Sunday, take on the University of Akron, and then they will travel. That game will be on ESPN 3, 3 p.m. Eastern to Central. Then on Tuesday, they will be in Cincinnati, taking on the University of Cincinnati. Uh, that's an 8 p.m. Eastern. So for uh, Rattlers in Ohio, near Akron and Cincinnati, good opportunity to get out and go uh, go show some love, wear some orange and green, and show some support. I don't know what Akron, University of Akron is, but I always feel like, I mean, that's a school in the MAC. Uh, zips. You know, the Zips. Yep, I, I, I you know, I don't know. If that's LeBron old school. It ain't a school, but, you know, he's from Akron, I feel like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, who who knows? You know, there might be an interesting trip that'll happen up there. Um, What else were I going to add? One final note as we're talking about basketball. Shout out to Texas Southern University, who on Monday knocked off number 20, Florida, with a 69-54 win. That was uh, Texas Southern's first win. Now, we talk about not playing any home games. We remember those days. Texas Southern flat out plays no non-conference home games. Their first 13 games are all on the road. So, and and they don't play cupcakes. I mean, that Texas Southern has played NC State, BYU already. Um, they, their schedule, uh, you know, they got, they play Cincinnati a little bit later in the year. Um so, you know, they don't play any cupcakes, but then again, that's the team that went to the tournament. Uh, they got a big time transfer from Houston and uh, look, they're rocking and rolling. And uh, that's, that's what we have to deal with. That's what we have to deal with. So we'll, we'll get into a little bit more basketball talk a little bit later on, uh, but we're going to take a break, come back in the second half. We're going to get into some recruiting talk with our good friend, Marcus Green on the other side. So you guys make sure to tune in. Stay tuned in, I should say. Uh, You're watching the ONG Strike Zone. We'll be back in just a moment. I'm returning to Clinton, Paris, and Tampa's my community. I grew up here, went to school here, and my wife and I make our home here. What makes Tampa special are its people. So when I represent someone injured in my community, it's personal. Call my office and speak to a real lawyer and not some referral service. I will fight the insurance companies to get the settlement, that you deserve. At the Law Office of Clinton Paris, we take the pain out of being hurt. Since 2002, Empowerment Resources, Inc., a nonprofit organization, has empowered more than 1,500 youth and adults in Duval and surrounding counties. Through its programs, Journey into Womanhood, Girls Mentoring, Life Skills for Teens, and Parenting Education Coaching. To get involved with programs, volunteer, or donate, visit www.empowermentresourcesinc.org. Follow us on social media, facebook.com forward slash empowerment.resources and instagram.com forward slash empowermentjax. At Hampton Law, our primary goal is to provide non-traditional yet effective solutions and redefine the approach to client legal concerns. As your trusted legal advisor, we believe in sophisticated, personalized services that eliminate the confusion and complexity sometimes associated with legal matters. Our high standard for client care and concern, coupled with our extensive legal knowledge and skills, make Hampton Law a resource focused on the protection of the client's interest and overall goals. 
We value our clients and truly enjoy working with them. Visit thamptonlaw.com to conveniently schedule an appointment online. Tamika Hampton, Esquire, 1631 Rock Springs Road, Suite 336, Apopka, Florida, 407-494-1471. thamptonlaw.com. It's never too early to plant the seed, to share the tradition, and instill a sense of pride in your HBCU with your little ones. HBCU Pride and Joy Children's Boutique helps you share your school spirit with a wide selection of adorable kids' apparel and accessories officially licensed from your favorite HBCU. Visit HBCUPrideJoy.com and follow us on all social media at HBCU Pride Joy on Facebook and Twitter. With your bad self. Welcome back to the ONG Strike Zone. Brian, Kelvin, Kofi, and joining us, our uh, our recruiting czar, uh, Marcus Green. Uh, Marcus, how you doing, brother? Doing well. How are y'all doing? I've been catching the show the first yeah. hour. From the chat room, on live on screen. That's how it works. Um, so we're going to get into talking about a little bit of recruiting, recruiting news and updates. Uh but before we get into that, um, you know, look, they had this thing that happened over in Jackson, Mississippi, where uh, 50,000 people got to celebrate Jackson State winning the championship. Uh, you know, congratulations, Jackson State, uh, for doing what they do. And uh, now it sets up for a great celebration bowl against uh, South Carolina State. Um you know, it got, it, it, all the talk has been around the attendance numbers because the attendance numbers for that game were high. The attendance numbers for the Celebration Bowl seem to be trending towards plus 40,000, maybe some are talking close to 50. Uh, Kofi had a great tweet earlier. I don't know if you guys saw it out there. If not, you need to make sure you're following Kofi at Believe365. Uh, he said, random FAMU football thought. We're going to have to have a new stadium sooner than later. Here's why. Jackson State comes to Tallahassee in 2023. Dion's return is 30000 easily. Imagine FAMU playing BCU in tally and what that would mean for the local economy. That's three homecomings a year. And so I bring that tweet up, Kofi, to you. And uh, also with the news uh, about, you know, uh, possible contract extension or contract extension talks for our athletic director who's coming up near the, look, two full years on the job. I'm sure he's getting into his final year. Um, All of these things, I know we're doing repairs on the stadium now, but uh, all of these things seem to kind of be working together in some kind of way, good or bad, who knows? What are your explain? Give us a little more background on, on your thoughts there, Kofi. Well, uh, in regards to the extension, um, you know, Courtney's brought a lot of positive things to FAMU. And, you know, having gone through the early part, I want to say since 2011, having seen a high degree of dysfunction 
within the athletic department and seeing us go on probation and seeing all the APR issues that we had and seeing all of the raggedy facilities, the dysfunctional facilities and the overworked staff. Um, you know, it's good to see the positive things that uh, many of which were laid by the previous administration, but at the same time, um, Gaucher and his staff have done an excellent job of bringing a lot of these things uh, to fruition and bringing these things to pass. He's had his rocky moments, uh, as anybody would expect, you know, being a brand new uh, AD coming off the street. Um, you know, he's had his share of confrontations um, and different issues and different things like that, which we will not get into at this time in the inbox. Confrontations? Who's out there confrontating uh, with my AD? Anyway, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, you go know. ahead. Go ahead. Don't stop. Keep <laughs> <laughs> going, go. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, Brian. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just can't believe there's folks out there confrontating against the AD. Hey. Anyway, go ahead. All right. So he's done a good job uh, navigating the shark infested, I want to say rattler infested streets. Not streets, but streets. You said that um, beautifully. Beautifully well said. Go ahead. Beautiful. Yeah, these rattling fested streets ain't nothing yes. to be playing with and stuff like that. Because, you you know, you, you mess with the wrong one and you're dealing with people downtown. You're dealing with people from around the country who you don't know. People oh, are calling shit. for your head and your job. Just all kind of stuff. But I said all that to say we got the stadium and I think that we are definitely headed in the right direction. He's been the first guy to really come in and lay a quality vision out um, in detail so we can see where we are. We can see where we're going. We can see how we're going to get there. He's done that repeatedly. The key right now is for us and fam, you to be able to maintain that momentum, you know, having to get a new AD and having somebody to come in here, um, you know, again, starting from scratch, even if, They've been here before. It's not easy because um, I'm still not convinced that we have um, Robinson's getting better, but there's still some more land to possess in that in that in that regard. So um, we still have a ways to go, and I think that you know um, we can take it to the next level, provided that we unify, provided that the communication continue to increase and everything else. So my comment in regards to the stadium was uh, was in related was related to the fact that, okay, so we're playing um, Jackson State again in Miami, but in 2023, they're coming to Tallahassee. And by that time, I fully expect FAMU to have had another banner season. Jackson State comes here. That's going to be Dion's return back into Tallahassee you know, where he played football at Florida State. Now, we, I'm expecting this game this fall to draw like 50,000 people. Oh, yeah. So, you know, uh, them coming to brag, that's going to be another Southern-like game. You got the Sonic Boom in the South, the Marching 100 who are in a commercial together. You got Deion Sanders returning to Tallahassee. You got all of that. And then, you know, just looking at future revenue opportunities. Okay, so, yeah, I like the fact that we go to Orlando. I like the fact that the hotel prices are what they are if you stay overnight. Um, 
you know, and Orlando has been decent. But if you have 40,000 seats at $50 a pop, which is the average ticket price for the Florida Classic, that's over $2.2 million. That does not include parking. That does not include concessions, you know, um, for, for our fans. So finding a way to do that is, is key, not to mention that Bragg right now is not conducive to additional revenue producing strength. I know we have the end zone club, but we've got to find a way to monetize that at the next level to where your your Bank of Americas or whatever banks, your Wells Fargo. Well, I don't want to mention Wells Fargo because they brought cooked me bad. <laughs> but, you know, just <laughs> whoever wants to come and sponsor uh, the Mighty Rattlers and Nick <laughs> at the stadium and stuff like that. So we want to make sure that we have those opportunities mm-hmm. Um, available, and that has to be led by our AD, that has to be led and initiated also by our president, who can say, this is the direction that we want to go, because it's not just the stadium, it's also a hotel, it's also an indoor practice facility, which helps our facilities, it's also um, additional things that come along with it, even shopping opportunities, and that's going to help to boost the region and the economy on so many different fronts. So we have to understand our power. And I believe that sooner than later, is we need to press that because we've been drawing 30,000 plus since the freaking 70s. It is now 2021 going into 22, and we're still at the 2025 mark. And there's still thousands of people in this region who have never come to a FAMU football game. That's FAMU great. football, FAMU football, we have our ten to 15,000 faithful people that's going to be there every week. But let's think about Metro Tallahassee. You know, Metro Tallahassee is Monticello, Quincy, Havana, um, Mad- Madison County, Monticello, Sneeds, Mariana, all of those. That's seven cities right there who could be Rattlers, not to mention Thomasville, Valdosta, Cairo, Bainbridge, um, and even yeah. Dalton, Alabama, all the way down to Gainesville, all of those people, we should be drawing from that particular group on a consistent basis. You do that consistently, and guess what? Bragg Stadium is packed every week, every single week. But we got to do the necessary work, got to do the necessary work, got to present consistency and stop picking unnecessary fights that cause us to have to consider the changes that we might need to have in uh, athletics from time to time. So if we do what we're supposed to do, I believe that we can um, we can get an average over thirty thousand. It's just about us understanding what the initiative is and what we got to do. Kelvin, it, it, I, as you as you get ready to respond a little bit, I find it interesting that the last time stadium improvements uh, were, I was a different athletic administration, a different AD. Uh, and I, I, those look, those, those, he even got plans drawn. He even got stadium uh, drawings done. Uh, and, and then he, and then he left. Uh, what are your thoughts on contract negotiations and extensions? And what kind of tie-ins does that mean for the future of Bragg Stadium, among other things? So. I'll start with the stadium stuff first, and I'm going to be real brief 
because I do want us to get to the uh, yeah the recruit stuff, and, right, and right. then I make a couple of statements about the the whole AD thing. But you know, there's a P three out, and it's been out for a while, and it precedes this administration that uh, has a stadium, athletic uh, complex, um, parking, RV parking. Um, retail, hotel, a plethora of things around it. And the concept behind a, a P3, and there's nothing new. Everybody's on P3. A lot, a lot of dorms are built now on campuses, our P3 public-private partnership. And th- there's a well-detailed plan that's out there, that's been out there for a while. Um, and if we are if we serious about what, what, what Kofi is talking about, then um, – the P3 is what we'll have to do because that is something that would generate revenue year round, just not four or five football games a year. Right. If you got retail food service, uh, uh, that the community can visit, uh, hotels, cause you, everybody complain about hotel prices, even though there, there's a lot more hotels built and being built, but, uh, you know, doing, doing, doing football season and then graduations and, and legislative sessions there, you know, rooms is at a premium. So, so the prices are increased. So, you know, um, in terms of the next level for us, cause we, we have a nice, uh, Lawson center, you know, what we've done and doing with the stadium is nice, but to go to the next level, when you start talking about hosting classics and hosting chem, uh, high school championships and maybe, uh, semi-pro soccer and so forth, that I, I know, having been around that process and that planning, that uh, that that public-private partnership is something that I, I think that the uh, alumni association and the president and board they they have to really you got to be visionary with it because you know scared money don't make money, right? It, it, it's an investment. Um, so I hope at some point that rather nation at large and the decision makers really see the value of that because that's next level stuff all right we our facilities overall on campus are looking really good and if they continue to follow the the guidance and leadership uh of the facilities uh group there um i i think what they produce we all can say as rattlers what we've seen over the last 10 years uh in terms of our campus landscape uh, is, 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 is significant. And you compare it to, to our peers, um, not just HBCUs, but uh, other peers, we're, we're doing some good things. <clears throat> now, in terms of uh, the AD, what, what I say is this. Um, ultimately, the, the audience that matters is the president, because that's who he reports to. Uh, uh, generally, you know, negotiations happen in private, not public. Um, and if you've done what you need to do, then it, it, it shouldn't be an issue. Um, you know, no, no, no administration is perfect. So, so, you know, but, but there have been some wins and some positives and, um, you know, what I care about is what's best for FAMU. Um, I do care about how you do things too, sometimes and making sure you do right by people because family, family, for me, it's people and it's real. And so I, I, I'll just leave that at that. So where did this, you mentioned that coming in, but where, where did this start? Because I, I, I forgot who I saw. 
I saw this out there, and I don't know if I saw this as a story by uh, in the Democrat is, is or was well, that you got something? married to the game on your thing right there, so, you know. So it comes across your Twitter feed, it's gonna come across your Facebook page because you know, Rory Sherratt did the article, so you know, um, it is what it is, and uh, it's out there, but you know, let's let's just get it done. I, uh-huh. I'm always fascinated at where those how those stories start. You know, I'm always fascinated. Uh, we'll, 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 we'll put that, we'll put that over on the side and come over to Marcus and say, Hey, Marcus, what's good? Mark, everything. Would you like to eat off of this dish? What, we have this dish here. What would you like? Would you like to eat off of this dish that we have before we get into talking about recruiting Marcus? What are your thoughts? Oh, I'm not going to go too deep because uh, Kelvin knows from past things, there's things that I put out there. But I guess the one thing that's interesting is that I think chronologically, if if I'm correct, you both looking at, and I don't know if uh, Coach Simmons got an extension, but I think he signed a five-year deal on December 7, 2017. And you got A.D. Gaucher, I guess he signed a three-year deal in December 2019. So are you looking at both parties potentially needing an extension in the same year? So there's going to be some decisions that need to be made, you know, in terms of past performance and whatever tentacles are being reached out to either, well, tentacles that are being reached inward towards them from other positions or other schools. And if they're, you know, sniffing around too. So it'll be interesting to see what 2022 holds. So I don't have, you know, a whole lot of detail, a lot of inside information on that. But I'm just saying it's interesting that both parties, by chance or whatever, happen to have, if if my numbers are right, from a five-year and three-year deal, looking to come up in the same year. And we're coming off of the last two years of playing 18 and four. Mm-hmm. You know, and Coach Simmons, a, a hot commodity. And even when, um, I forgot the young lady's name, she came down for the Tallahassee football club um she's an espn i know you're talking about espn holly Rowe, and she was i guess she met coach simmons maybe a year or two ago it was during 2019 and she said you know he believes she believes he's going to be a star and, and all those type of things so it'll be interesting to see in terms of renewals finances what's going to be asked either asked by asked on the part of the fam ewans the family to step up and what's going to be asked for by the people looking for extensions um, so wait a minute. We didn't we didn't do the extension when all that stuff was going on uh, in the summertime. There wasn't an extension for Coach Simmons, or that was the more so we got the offensive. Uh, we got the, uh, the staffing stuff. I thought we had. I think it was the staffing. I was reading an article once again from the TDO around all that when I think it was last March, and I thought I read that there wasn't an extension, but there was provision made to get a full coaching staff and some other requests that were made. So I don't know if a contract extension was in there, at least going off of what was in the article. Once again, I'm going off of memory. It's saying that um, the extension keeps Simmons under contract through 2025. Okay. Okay. All right. So if that, that takes that out. Well, but if you're, if you're AD Gaucher, you're wanting an extension that would run, into that same period as well. Because I, if I'm him, 
even though he didn't hire Coach Simmons, I'd want to be tied to Coach Simmons as long as possible as well, uh, personally. And, you know, that would give you a – actually, that'd be another three-year deal, uh, if I'm not mistaken, you know, if you did yeah. – if I'm doing the numbers and the math right. Uh, this is what I'll say, and then we'll get into recruiting and uh, and, and stuff. Uh, I witnessed what boosters at the University of Miami are doing. I see what boosters at Grambling did. I'm t- at Grambling, what they did. They paid off a contract with a year left. You see what million, no, excuse me, billion with a B dollar boosters are doing. Where are the million-dollar boosters at Florida A&M at? I mean, I know they're out there, but at some point, somebody is going to pony up and want to pony up and say, let's go ahead and take this thing to the next level. We got the right people. We finally have the coach. I think we have the AD, but we have a lot of staffing things that need to get done. There's a lot of dollars that need to be put into. We can talk and see what's going on at other schools and the complaints going on. Some At some point, boosters are going to have to step up and drop money in the pot. With that said, Marcus, let's go into recruiting. <laughs> uh, because there's a budget that boosters yes. could be dropping money in the pot for. Uh, we, all, we know that our, we got to coach this out in Texas. Uh, mm-hmm. Just in Two. general, where, where do you get a sense that our coaches are at this time of year right now? We know Coach Black is in Texas. Where are you hearing about where everybody else are? We are we out nationally in other places? Uh, I would say yes, uh, just because it looks like Coach Black and Coach Stanchek, based on their tweets, are out in Mississippi and East Texas, and we'd imagine that at some point they would swing back around and pass through Florida. And I know in the spring. They put out graphics from the football website in terms of who has what territories inside the state of Florida. And we've seen uh, some tweets. I think um, uh, Coach Dan uh, Lemke tweeted something that implied he was down in his area, which I think is southwest Florida. And I believe that they passed through the Tampa area last week because there was a tweet from um, Tampa Tech. the Tampa Bay Tech head coach, you know, like literally like an hour or two ahead of that, I guess they were at another school in the Tampa area. And he said, swing through here. And then later that afternoon, he posted a tweet. Thanks for family football swinging through. And they're in the state championship game for, I believe, either class 7A or class 8A. So it was good to see that we're tapping in that. I'm still trying to get a feel for who's responsible for what. So I think things shifted around a little bit. But I think Coach Black is also responsible for the Atlanta area. Uh, my understanding as um, Coach Tucker, maybe I'm assuming sharing responsibility in the Big Ben area. And so I'm not sure how, and it looks like uh, uh, Coach Patterson is responsible for the Orlando, um, Orange County area and somewhere around there. So it still remains to be seen. I'm trying to figure out, and they haven't pushed out any graphics for everybody. Like when Coach Stanchek came in, I didn't see one for him. We already know uh, Coach Barasa and Coach Roll are down there in the, in the bottom. So they're kind of established. And I think Coach um, Smith is responsible for uh, 
Taylor County and also uh, North Broward and some other some other areas. But I'm thinking that Coach Simmons might be going more national or might be like the closer, like I used to think Bobby Bowden does, especially if Coach Tucker's taking over the Big Ben area, at least sharing it with him. Because some of the recruits that are that we've seen offers from over this past summer, this past year that are way outside of our area, like a, a guy from Louisiana, a defensive tackle from Nevada, a couple guys, and they don't always consistently give out shout outs as to who recruited them or who made the offer. But it seems like more often than not, Coach Simmons is the name listed. So he might be doing more of a national thing and closing, you know, closing the deal. So we'll have to see how that works out. Well, with Simmons just being out in Nevada this past week, I, that kind of that's kind of interesting. Uh, I got to imagine, you know, uh, he's on the West Coast. I I would imagine that there might be a stop or two out in that region, seeing as how he he's out that way, you know, might be. And actually, the guy that we offered, I think he's committed to Oregon. Mm-hmm. Don't know if he's wavering now that uh, Oregon's coach has now gone to Miami if he's committed to the school, if he's committed to the coach, or now if he's open. Mm-hmm. He's a three-star but, defensive tackle out in Nevada. Okay. Uh, let me go to the depth chart here for a second um, uh, because some interesting points. By my math, your uh, depth chart, in terms of departing players, would leave us with six on offense, five on defense. Some interesting names that I see here – now, uh, Kofi, help me out now because uh, now, now, Marcus, you got Xavier as a departing player, but I don't know if it was Kofi or Kelvin. One of you two, I thought, had thought that Xavier was coming back. He is. Both mm-hmm. of us. Coach said Simmons. It. Yeah, Coach Simmons mentioned that in one of his interviews. So that's the thing. It was I was looking at that and I marked it up based on their classification because I'm okay. still trying to work through this COVID year how that works. And I wasn't sure what year he came in. So I didn't know if he exhausted all of his eligibility for playing time. So, you know, it sounds like um, Xavier Smith is coming back. But everybody else, I think on offense, I think they're pretty much we're losing three, four offensive linemen. Right. We know Chad Hunter is probably gone. Most And Bishop Bond is gone. So, you know, those are some names that were that bubble to the top in terms of productivity and awareness in the Rattler Nation. It looks like uh, Xavier would probably have to be probably be a grad student. I'm assuming since a redshirt senior, I'm sure he's getting his degree undergrad, and I'm sure he have to kind of find a grad program uh, to get enrolled in. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, defensive side of the ball, though, um, I'm kind of curious about the bowlers. Uh, I didn't know that. Uh, well, you got uh, one's a redshirt senior, one's a grad. I didn't. Are all eligibility's gone with uh with with the BJ? bowlers? Yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, no. Once again, the red the red shirt. I mean, the COVID thing. You have to double check and see what year he came in because he transferred in from Mercer. So, and I don't know to what degree in terms of his red shirting because I didn't do a lot of digging on his pre pre arrival or pre famu career. So he may be coming back as well. Now the other bowler, he. We actually recruited him in 2019, Kendall, the young man that hurt his elbow yeah. in the, um, I believe it was the Arkansas Pine Bluff game. Yeah. So he's got Bowler, a couple years left. BJ is listed as a junior and Kendall is listed as a sophomore. Okay. Okay. So we okay, got one so, million. Yeah. 
So it, it, by, by that count, then that would leave about three, four, five, probably six, six returners. Uh, and, and most notably, the biggest omissions would have to be in the linebacker core where we lose uh, uh, both the uh, middle and the strong side linebackers. Um, of course, our defensive ends. Well, we use we we use we we lose both Williams uh, on that end uh, on that defensive end, and so uh, and of course we use Marquise and Antoine Collier. Um, but I mean, they're guys who've been sitting back in the wait in the waiting room for a couple years now. That'll get their get their shot. Um, One other right, so question that- I had was uh, Ronaldo Flowers. I think he got hurt in the first game against Miami. I mean, not against in Miami in Jackson State. So I don't know what his classification was or is. And, you know, if he either gets a medical red shirt or if he wants to even come back. So that's another another variable in terms of the defensive end rotation. And he was preseason all swag first team, you know, they, so they thought enough of him to put him on the preseason team. And then he got hurt in the first game. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's uh, let's take a short break. Come back. Let's get into the the players who have already committed, who we've offered, and uh, you know, kind of get into uh, maybe talking a little bit about um, what the transfer portal is looking like for FAMU. We'll be back on the other side. You're watching the ONG Strike Zone. Shop Melvin Online Women's Boutique to spice up your closet with trendy, unique looks. We have fashionable and chic looks at very affordable prices. Melvin Boutique offers free shipping all year long on all orders. Shop online at www.melvetboutique.com. That's www.melvetboutique.com. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram. Shop Melvin Online Women's Boutique. This is Carlos Brown, letting you know that we're on the move. You can now catch the Carlos Brown Show beginning this July on the Black College Sports Network each and every Saturday from 11 to 1 Eastern Time. That's 10 to 12 Central Time. Same time, new place. On Facebook at the Carlos Brown Show and Black College Sports Network. Online at www.mybcsn.net and on the BCSN app available on Google Play and the Apple App Store. Sugar Chateau Desserts is a specialty bakery located in the Charlotte, North Carolina metro area. We will create delicious and one of a kind treats for any occasion. Sugar Chateau is currently shipping cakes in a jar offering a variety of different flavors in a single-serve container that can help you celebrate in accordance with social distancing. Place your orders today by calling 803-526-7895 or visiting SugarChateauDesserts.com. The Cuvée Group is a Florida-based marketing and training consulting firm. We help businesses communicate to their target audience and engage them in conversation. We also help to expand their audiences, which will ultimately result in growth for those organizations. In addition to being a certified constant contact specialist, my colleagues and I are also certified in John Maxwell Leadership Principles. We use these proven principles to conduct workshops, training, and private coaching sessions for individuals and companies looking to take things to the next level. Contact us to schedule a free consultation. 
Issues today, don't delay. Call Cuvée. This is right. Let's go. Welcome back to the ONG Strike Zone. Brian, Kelvin, Kofi, and our recruiting specialist, Marcus Green, uh, exclusively right here on the ONG Strike Zone. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I said it. Uh, all of the information that uh, that others try to gather, but Marcus has it all in a nice bundle for us to talk about. So if you want to, if you want to know what's going on, you're in the right spot. Uh, so now's a good time to go ahead and like and share and subscribe or you go back and make sure you you mark this point in the show. Uh, we were just kind of talking with Marcus about our depth chart on the football side. Uh, now let's get into some of the recruits that are committed. Obviously, the early signing day is coming up. Next Wednesday. Next Wednesday. That's the 15th. Yep, next Wednesday. Uh, look, we understand how the early signing period has made college football crazy we've seen it at the power our power five level we've seen it we've seen coaches in the swag get fired early because of the i think probably in part a little bit to the recruiting uh and coaches being hired quickly even real estate agents being hired quickly um you know y'all gonna leave that man alone man y'all act like something wrong with being a real estate agent Anyway, uh, y'all just totally disregard the fact that the man was 11 years in the league. But anyway, um, Marcus, go through. Let's who do we have recruited uh, or, or committed so far? Talk about the guys who've been committed so far. Well, the five recruits we have so far are all high school players, and we see a lot of um, chicken little skies falling about the transfer portal, and you know, it still remains to be seen. But the five guys that have verbally committed, at least the ones that I've seen on social media, on Twitter, are all high school players. The first one is Zaire Riley. He's like a 5'8", uh, 170 athlete or DB athlete out of Gasden County. Uh, he has, just from his clips, you see some of his athleticism in terms of, and, and his ball skills as it relates to playing defense. And actually, they used him some on offense this year. I think he... Uh, caught a touchdown pass in their playoff game against somebody who had him by like four or five inches. So we're getting an athlete there. And so I think, you know, once again, it'll continue the theme that Coach Simmons is getting quality players, maybe players who may be overlooked because their measurables aren't FBS eye catchers, but players that we can see that, that the development program at FAMU leverages them up and, and maximizes their talent. Uh, the next was a summer uh, summer commitment. Uh, he came, I believe he came and visited right after the locker renovations, an offensive lineman by the name of Chris Williams out of Tampa Catholic. And he goes 6'4", 300, so he's adding some much-needed beef. Uh, a linebacker uh, committed in August, and folks may have seen his uh, post on Twitter in his video, Dotarius Lee, a 6'2", uh, 200-ish a linebacker out of Deerfield Beach. So he's coming out of out of uh, down near the bottom. And we have another uh, wide receiver athlete, Brendan Hall, out of Dixie County. He goes 6'3", 180, 190. Uh, 
And also recently, this week, just picked up a verbal commitment from offensive lineman, another one from Tampa, TJ Dimas, 6'2", 300 out of Clearwater, Clearwater Central Catholic High School. So That's right dope. now, all of our verbals are for high school students. So we're not abandoning high school. So we're not going uh, crazy with the transfer portal. I do have a theory, and I'll, I can get into that just uh, maybe a couple minutes later. But those are the verbal commitments we have so far. I haven't seen any come through in the last couple of days after after Mr. Uh, Dimas uh, made a verbal commitment. What are the openings? How, how many spots do you think? And I, I know there's there was an exemption, the NCAA offering an exemption because of COVID. Um, how many spots do you imagine we're looking to fill? Traditionally, I, I feel like it's somewhere in the 20 to 25. Uh, could it be more this year? I don't know, because once again, the COVID year, who comes back, who's declaring, all these type of things are variables. I would take a guess in my preliminary spreadsheet based on just classification of the players for this year's roster. There were 28 players that were either seniors, categorized as seniors, registered seniors, or graduate students. So out of those 28, if you just take a guess, say half of that, or maybe two-thirds of that. So we're looking anywhere from 14 to 21, or 20, 21 spots. And you also have to count, you know, dare we say it, and we've already had one player uh, jump into the portal that, uh, you know, some players decide to leave or move on. So that might open another roster spot, but it doesn't necessarily mean that we also have to figure in whether that person's on scholarship or not, whether they're a walk-on. So it may be a roster, it may be a name on the roster, but is that person actually taking up uh, a scholarship such that it's replaceable? Or is it a, a player who's being funded outside of academic scholarships, so, so not necessarily replaced by scholarships on signing day? Okay. Um, let's take a look at some of the recruits that have been offered. I know this is that time of year where guys are really excited. They're getting offers. We're seeing all kinds of tweet, Twitter traffic, uh, guys who excited, Hey, thank you. So-and-so. And, uh, you know, it all, it, I, what I love about all these announcements is when they offer, they, they throw up the most random photos of the school uh, and players. I mean, it's like, I'm going to throw this random offensive lineman or this, you know, it's, a, it's, it's always interesting seeing what the, I mean, uh, God bless these kids when they, when they get these offers and, and uh, they're really excited. But let's talk, Marcus, uh, who, who are some of the more interesting names and, uh, Man, let, let's start at the top because it's always about QB1. You know, uh, a lot of people, we, we anticipate having a returning QB. I think next year's starter is already in-house on the roster, but anything can happen. Uh, what what kind of interest has <laughs> – you're laughing, Kelvin, I see you. Uh, what kind of interest has uh, has the QB1 position got from, from the uh, FAMU coaches? Oh, that's interesting. A, a quite uh, a pleasant mix. And then one interesting thing today, uh, Nick Evers, who's a 6'3", well, at least at the time we offered him a 6'3", 190 dual threat quarterback out of Texas. And he committed to the University of Florida, I believe, I want to say early spring or this summer. Well, just today, he decommitted from Florida. And he's a three-star uh, QB out of Mauer, Flower Mound, Texas. 
at Flower Mound High School. So I don't know to what degree, you know, he's like, eh, you know, thinking about FAMU, but I think we were one of his first offers. So we have Nick Evers. Anybody got a GPS tracker on Coach Black? Given the fact he's in Texas, <laughs> right? I'm just saying. Go ahead. I'm sorry, yes. Marcus. Go ahead. I'm just putting yes. two and two together. I'm putting two and two together. Go ahead. So we've offered, at least as far as I can tell from, from social media tracking, we've offered eight quarterbacks total. So it's been a mix of high school and a couple of JUCOs. And so we've offered a young man, Tevin Carter, out of Memphis, Tennessee. And he's actually verbally committed, I believe, to the University of Memphis. Uh, Ashton Daniels out of Buford High School, Georgia. So anybody knows Georgia High School football, Buford is always like a, a powerhouse. So I think he's committed, I want to say, to Stanford. Uh, Javar Martin, who's a, a physical specimen, he's like 6'5", 220 out of Newton High School in Georgia. I don't think he's committed anywhere. And I think I saw a photo or a tweet of him uh, visiting the school, maybe during one of our games this year. So that's promising. A young man by the name of Dijon Jennings out of Reynoldsburg, Ohio. He's uh, a dual threat as well and saw some of his stats, um, put up some pretty good numbers. I don't know to what degree he's visited or where his interest lies, but that's one thing. Another young man, Byron Brown out of Rollsville, North Carolina. Uh, he, we've offered him, but I think he's committed to a school in North Carolina. I want to say Western Carolina or Campbell or somewhere like that. Uh, Alonzo Barnett, one, another one out of North Carolina, out of Greensboro, Grimsley High School. And I believe he's committed elsewhere. And a local guy, Perry Fisher, out of Lincoln High School, I believe he's committed to Maryland. But we've offered eight QBs for the class of 2022. So we're still checking some things out and yet, yet to be seen what comes up, you know, in terms of between now and February in terms of offering QBs. And there's a slew of folks who are either jumping in the portal or decommitting. So that's another variable you have to take into account in terms of who becomes available versus who we offered earlier. Uh, let me ask, but, uh, Kelvin Kofi, you tell me, what does the ideal quarterback for Coach Simmons look like? Because I, I, I'm honestly here saying I don't think he's had it yet, his ideal. What do you think it is and what do you think it looks like? I think you're looking at a dual threat that means you can do both things easily if you, if you look at a Lamar Jackson um he's a dual threat he's a threat to throw and he's a threat to run so if you remember the the southeastern Louisiana coaches comments during the game the way that one of those things that um he said helped them defensively was knowing that McKay was not a threat to run. So because they knew that he wasn't a threat to run, they just banked on everything else and it made the field a whole lot easier to defend. So a Lamar Jackson type, I forget the guy's, uh, what's the quarterback's name at Florida State? What's his name? Travis. Travis. Yeah, Travis would fit uh, in Coach Simmons' system amazingly. Um you know, there are a number of even pass who's at Prairie View would fit in the system perfectly. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. You know, somebody along those lines that has the ability to be a threat both on the ground and in the air. Okay. I just wanted to put that out there because as we and talk the, about, you know, talking about these guys, Marcus, I think it's good for Rattle Nation to kind of 
have a visual of and and look i mean we you know that's just our opinion but i mean mm-hmm. based on what we've seen i i i agree with you guys 100 let me just also say can say that uh not only is Rashawn gonna be difficult to beat out but i i have the utmost confidence in that quarterback room uh th- those guys just have to you know get a little more season and experience but it specifically, don't be shocked if one of those uh, two freshmen that we registered this year, uh, you, we already saw a little bit of junior. Um, I'm interested to see the progress that uh, the, the uh, that Jackson makes. Yeah, also. Because he sits four, he's extremely athletic, and he can throw the ball 65, 70 yards in the air. Uh, from a physical standpoint, he has the tools, you know, with coaches all you just you know, being a former quarterback and everything, is about the mental and 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 trusting that you not only know the playbook that you're not gonna make mistakes and so forth. And I like 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 Rashawn has that in spades. So uh I I think it was uh I, I think that Marcus kind of brought this up last week. Uh, we have to be careful. We, we can't miss if we bring a transfer in. I understand we got to look at that. And, and, and it, it presents itself. It has to happen. But, you know, it's got to be somebody who fit that locker room too, uh, not just talent. Because we, 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 we've got a pretty good thing. Mm-hmm. It's um, a real good thing. Marcus, give me a question, gentlemen. Uh, uh, Marcus Green, this is the voice of God in the background. <laughs> are we are we going after any top tier running backs? That's what I want to know. Uh, uh, let me. I could check really quick. Now we do have an offer to a young man from Minnesota, who's a three star running back. Um, gosh, his name slips my not my mind. Let me pull him up real quick. But we do have that offer out for 2022. I've not seen any offers. Uh, Emmett Johnson out of Academy of Holy Angels. And he was, he did a real good job this year. I think they um, they made the playoffs and I think they got to the semifinals or somewhere in there. And so that, we do have an offer to a running back athlete who is a uh, bounce back from USF by the name of Josh Berry. And he's at uh, Blinn Junior College out in Texas now. And so he was a three-star coming out of coming out of high school, kind of got a ridge community high school down in Davenport. So that's down there where Xavier Smith is from. And he went to USF and then he ended up at Blinn Junior College. And he came out, I want to say 2018 or 2019. So he's still relatively young. And so those are probably the two. And also a three-star running back out of um, Atlanta area, uh, Justin Williams. So they're going for the ones that they've offered, at least for 2022. The guys that I'm seeing are three stars, like the five, the six that we have running backs, Chase Gillespie, local guy on Godby. And I think he's committed to Vanderbilt. Anthony Hankerson out of um, St. Thomas Aquinas down in Fort Lauderdale. I don't think he's committed yet, but we placed an offer to him. And Justin Williams out of East Paulding High School is the one from the Atlanta area. And he's... Uh, he was committed to West Virginia, and I'm, I think he's open now. But I've, I've seen some things from him in terms of some visits that he's made and coaches that have visited him. Eden James, uh, Edrin James' son, committed to Howard, but we offered him. 
um, Emmett Johnson, the young man I mentioned from Minnesota, and Josh Berry, the, the transfer from Blend Junior College by way of USF. So of the six or seven offers, all of them came out at least three-star rated. Somebody needs to get on that uh, Edron James uh, thing because I'm going to tell you what, if you can somehow get both of his boys, he's got one. And I, when I, when the reason I missed last week is because Edron James's son was putting us to bed last Wednesday. Uh, but that boy can play. He can get a bucket whenever, wherever. If somehow somebody, somebody in Rattler Nation, there's no <laughs> reason why Edge's two boys. I mean, look, his girls go to HBCUs. There's no reason why them boys can't come to FAMU. One in football, one in basketball. I'm just saying that now. So y'all, I'm telling you now, because the boy, the one that can ball, he can, whoo, he can get it. He he can go get a bucket any anywhere he wants. And the boy who's going to Howard, well, God bless him. I don't I don't know why he's going to Howard, but uh, <laughs> some, anyway, Marcus, give so me a guy or two. Make make a call to team and Samson. Yeah, well, old teaming. If you're watching, you, you need to talk to your boy Edge. I don't know why he's going up to wherever, but anyway. Um, Marcus, give me a guy or two off these recruits that we have uh, offered that are really interesting, including we got a guy who's making a big decision coming up this weekend, possibly. Yes, uh, a local guy as well, played at Lincoln High School. I think he started out at Childs and then moved to Lincoln for a senior year. Michael, please. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing his last name correctly. Love the last name. But he came out as a three-star linebacker and went to Southern Miss, and he jumped in the portal. And he put out a tweet yesterday or day before saying he's down to his final two, which is between us and Jackson State. And I'm, I'm starting to see that this is this thing is transcending just volleyball. It's volleyball. It's football. I'm it's trying recruiting. to tell people. Yeah. It's the band. This is it's real. like we're, we're setting up, you know, with Jackson State. Like this is going to be a battle for for all the swag marbles. Like we're fighting for the Infinity Stones. We haven't even started with baseball, yeah. bro. Thank like you. Baseball. We started with baseball and softball. Yeah. So <laughs> and bat- and women's basketball. And so we got, and I think they're the defending champs of women's basketball, too, I believe. I don't yes, remember. They are. I think. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. Uh so please his announcement is coming up this week. He played, he started 11 games, I think, for Southern Miss. Uh, who else? Some of the other guys. You got a few guys there on on our pre-notes. Uh, who are some of those other guys? that uh, you find kind of really interesting that we offered? Well, I've seen over the last couple of weeks, a lot of junior college offers. And okay. just to diverge a little bit, um, what, I, what I believe may be a, a pattern or MO, especially with the advent of the early signing day, is that we may put offers out. We get high school verbal commitments, maybe put a couple offers out to JUCOs, to maybe get them in by December, January, or at least get them committed to sign in February. And then when FBS teams get caught up in the transfer frenzy, and then you see who may get left at the altar, I think I've seen Coach Simmons and crew do a really good job either picking up the pieces for guys that they previously offered or for guys who may no longer have a spot coming in and getting in some some three stars that perhaps may have, at least from a social media standpoint that I monitor, weren't really on the radar. They may have been talking to them the whole time, but in terms of the things that I track, I didn't see anything. But we're looking at um, a couple of JUCO cornerbacks, uh, CJ Christian, 
and another, I guess his teammate, uh, Major Williams. Now, Major Williams is a Florida guy, and he's he's at um, Iowa Central. I'm like he and CJ Christian, but Major Williams actually started out at University of Virginia. He's down from Lee County, from the Fort Myers area, went up to Virginia, jumped in the portal, ended up at, at JUCO, and we just offered him this week. And the thing to note about both of these corners is that both of them are like 6'1", and a little taller, and, you know, 190, 185, 190, 200, somewhere in there. So it looks like we're trying to bump up our size a little bit as it relates to our corners. Well, that's um, – that's that, I was going to say that that's actually pretty – um, that's huge because yes. it was the deciding factor in the game with Southern Jackson State. It was a deciding factor in the game with us in Jackson State. It was a deciding factor in our game with uh, Southeastern Louisiana. Um, you know, seeing our length at that position. I want to say that, you know, McNeese is also going through an incredible transition with the loss of their head coach. And so I saw a number of their players, um, uh, began to declare or enter into the portal. Um, and then also there's that whole thing with the COVID exemption expiration. So does anybody understand how that affects the full roster? Uh, I'd have to look into that, but I know they wanted, they started to want to pare down rosters to get back to the normal level as it relates to the NCAA. We can have certain roster size. I think it's 85 for the FCS level and 105 for for the FBS level. And of course they had the exemption because they had we had consecutive recruiting classes and we have people coming back for a COVID year. So they're really bloated. And I haven't really studied the methodology they're gonna to try to use to get back to those normal levels and what is gonna how that's all gonna um, play out. Cool. But I do think there's an opportunity for us. Uh, given all these changes and the, as we see the transfer portal frenzy, I saw something from 24 seven or rivals that they had nearly 200 people jump on the portal from the end of this weekend's games mm-hmm. or the last two weekends. And they're on pace to have more people in the portal. If that trend continues linear, linearly to have more than they did even the year before. Wow. And so with that, we even see some of the guys that we offered previously who went other places. Like there's a wide receiver who actually played for Coach Prime in high school. Uh, his senior year in high school, he and uh, Shadur were teammates, a wide receiver by the name of Jordan Williams, who's, who's a good dude, a good uh, good player, three-star wide receiver, started out at Westover High School in Albany. They went out to Trinity Christian in Texas, played his senior year for Coach Prime, spent his freshman year at at Indiana, and he jumped in the portal. And there's a few other guys we offered, like, um, oh goodness, T. T. Denson from Kansas State, a defensive back out of Cedar Grove High School, who's basically a Class 3A power in Georgia. Won, you know, a few state championships over the last four or five years. He's in the portal. Uh, the aforementioned uh, Michael Please, we offered him coming out of high school. He's in the portal. And so there's a few folks who received family interest in the past who are now in the portal. And it'd be interesting to see also a quarterback, Catravis Marsh out of Miami Central, went to USF and he's in the portal. He came in the portal last week. So what? we'll have to see how that plays out. Yeah. And these are guys who've been there for like a year or so. So they're jumping out after 
for whatever reasons, you know, we can speculate, but for whatever reasons, they're jumping, making themselves available. And I don't know if it's a matter of the sheer numbers we're seeing. We don't know if it's a matter of playing time, a matter of uh, made a wrong decision, or just seeing uh, the writing on the wall in terms of FBS teams preferring uh, preferring preferring experience for their position, pushing and which the trickle down effect for FAMU hopefully is we may get some key transfers, especially at the linebacker position, as you mentioned earlier, where we're losing our two seniors and our two safeties, so up the middle, but also could push down some high school talent to us that may not have been there because of all the positive PR we've gotten the last year or so with everything going on and the fact the transfer portal and some of those teams at the FBS level are looking to get experience. And so maybe they're pulling back their high school recruiting, but if we continue to pick it up, we can get guys like a General Hunt or a Mike Marshall or a Jaleel Core or a Ben Unwuzo or a Winsome Frazier who are three-star guys who may have been at the FBS or group of five offer level and they ended up becoming Rattlers. I saw one, uh, speaking of those guys, those type of guys that you just mentioned there uh, on your list of uh, three-star offers who committed but have recently rescinded their commitments, uh, that athlete, uh, Treyon Webb uh, at oh, Trinity man, Christian. Uh, yeah, he just, he, he, he put us, he put us down uh, this past Friday in the final four of uh, the two-way. We, uh, Watched this boy break out on a 99-yard run, uh, which is, I mean, for his size, to watch him run away from guys who should have been able to catch him, I, I was like, I was just dumbfounded at what this guy did. So, um, hey, that that that's – and he's got good size. I think he's like 6'1 or 6'2, uh, something like that. He, he decommitted from uh, Oklahoma when mm-hmm. – uh, when the coach left. So, and he's only a junior, probably. I don't think he's a senior. He's a junior. Yeah, he's a junior. I think he's class of 23. Yeah. So, wow. I mean, that that's real interesting. Um, all right. So, portal news coming up. Uh, look, next week is the early signing day. Just ballpark. How many guys do you think, based on maybe the previous last two years, because this is year three, of the early signing period, right, Marcus? Year three. I think it's year three or year four. What do you what What's your anticipation on how many guys do you think, you know, roughly, fam, you might sign? We you, we've got five. Sounds like what What do you think? How many might sign early? Uh, historically, we it, we've kind of focused on at least under Coach Simmons. The last numbers that I've seen. We really bang it up on regular signing day, February. On early signing day, we might get one or two, three. So I don't know to what degree all the swirling changes are going to impact that. So I don't know. I'm guessing maybe one high school person may sign on the line if their school has a has a a, a ceremony. And I'm guessing and I'm hoping at least one transfer and or a couple of transfers, maybe one JUCO or, or one FBS that's going to commit. Because I think uh, Jay Jackson-Williams committed last year on uh, the early signing day, and there was one other. So it was it was a small number. So even though it was close to Christmas, I didn't get all the presents I was hoping for on, you know, the early signing day, but they came through on the late signing day. And that's the other thing with every, like I mentioned before, about 
closing deals for guys who may not, who may have an offer rescinded from a FBS team after early signing day. I think that's where we're going to clean up. So I don't know if I would anticipate a big signing next week, but I think we're going to see some surprises and hopefully see some surprises come through uh, in February from the coaching staff. And they're doing a, a bang up job in terms of getting their names out there, visiting folks. And you can see that they've built up some of the graduate assistant staff because uh, I think they added at least three or four graduate assistants that are helping either with positions and or recruiting. So I think all of those eyes, ears, and feet on the boots on the ground are going to help uh, bring in a, a really bang up class that goes along with all the positive PR we've gotten the last, this last 12 months or so. Well said. So uh, Rattler Nation over the next week, as you see these recruits out there, you make sure to, uh, Send them, send, them some, send them some love. Let these kids know that uh, this is the place to be. You know, uh, retweet, quote, tweet, reply. Let them know. Uh, it, it makes a difference. It does make a difference to these kids. And uh, I got a feeling with the fact that the JUCOs and transfers can enroll in the spring, I would not be surprised if we get, you know, I, I, as many as 10. I mean, I may be high yeah. on that number. But I would not be surprised if we're signing 10 guys in this early signing period and guys who can enroll in the spring and be ready for spring workouts and in, in, uh, in spring camp. That'll be a, that'll that'll go a long way to getting this class ready. Um, so maybe next week, who knows? We will put the call out. We might have Coach Simmons. I'm not predicting, but we know we've been known to call and he's been known to pick up the phone. So that's a good thing for us. So maybe we'll get Coach on and tell us a little about a little bit about the recruits, Marcus. We're gonna have Marcus back on, obviously, to see what's happening between now and next week, and uh, that's how we'll do. We'll close out the year uh, that way. Uh, Kelvin, any final thoughts before we close tonight's show? Yeah, I want to acknowledge a couple of uh, routers that we lost, uh, Mr. Hogerbrook, longtime supporter, very active with the alumni association uh, where he was as well as when he came back to Tallahassee, uh, we lost him. And then of course, uh, Dr. Smith, former president, uh, you know, uh, condolences to the family and uh, is a loss for all around. Rattler Nation, those, those are pillars of uh, the Rattler Nation. And we, we've lost quite a few of them um, mm -hmm. this year and over the last two or three years. But we salute him, and it's, uh, and it's our charge, our responsibility to build upon the legacy that they left. Amen. Well said. Oh. Kofi, any thoughts as we close? Man, we need to buckle our safety belts, buckle our safety belts, and uh, get ready for this next week of action. I'm excited about our recruits coming in. And I, I just want to challenge us once again to get behind our Rattler basketball and spring sports are just around the corner as well. Uh, let's get on the board, man. Let's do what we got to do. Uh, I also want to acknowledge uh, how active Rattler Nation is on Twitter and, and social media and Instagram. That stuff oh, yeah. matters. Uh, we had a surge uh, with Skull Sparks. Uh, yes, I right. think that's the name. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. Uh, and, you know, their analytics in terms of what's happening, man. So, 
Uh, we need to keep up that energy, keep that same energy all year long. It's just amazing to see us atop because the beat out Deion and Jackson State is a big deal, uh, especially now. And they're way down there at 18. So, guys, let's keep up the good work. Looking forward to what's to come. You know, I t- uh, hashtag I believe doesn't really register under JSU. But anyway, go ahead, uh, Marcus. Anyone want to give any final thoughts there as we close up? Oh, I agree with Kofi. We got to get our Twitter numbers up because according to that study, IG, Instagram was like way up there and Facebook. We got to get our Twitter numbers up and make sure they're consistent and not, you know, having ebbs and flows over the years. So we just need to continue the rattler support that we've seen with all the positive publicity, with everything from the football, from the school, you know, in terms of our rankings, not only in football, but as the number one public HBCU, uh, homecoming, epic homecoming. Uh, the Will Packard dedication ceremony being on ESPN multiple times and also on Why Not Us. And I've been having withdrawal the last couple of weeks, but I think the last two shows are going to be Thursday, the 16th and then the 23rd. So we'll have to see what they have on there. But just with all that publicity, we, we have to maximize it. Mm-hmm. Well said. Well said. I, I, I'll just close by saying be careful of all these folks out here pumping up. Their love of HBCUs. A lot of people are doing stuff and not necessarily for HBCUs. They doing stuff with HBCUs. They doing stuff that's in the best interest of their family, their brand, and not necessarily in the best interest of your school, my school. Uh, That's going to do it for tonight's show on the ONG Strike Zone for Kelvin Rozier. Kofi Hemingway, a special guest, Marcus Green. Shout out to our Rattler producer, Roy Evans. Thanks to everybody on YouTube and Facebook for watching. If you're listening on the BCSM Pod Zone, thank you. Go share the show. Uh, we will be back next week with some recruiting big time news, and uh, we'll have more. All right, Rattlers, let's get out there and strike, strike, and strike again. Peace out.